Hello, welcome again to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. Today, we're going to be talking about the five-year program, which was approved by the State Transportation Commission just last week. And it is updated every year, and there's always some changes and some some kind of rolling things in the program. So I'm going to be talking with Michael Case, uh, a specialist in planning who shepherds the five-year program and has a, a, a hefty responsibility trying to put this thing together for the past few years and keep up on everything that's going on with the various programs across the state, not to mention ongoing transportation funding challenges. So once again, Michael, thanks for being here. Let's start with some history and you know how this five-year program exercise came to be and why. Well, good morning. Uh, so MDOT has published a rolling five-year transportation program annually since 1999. And the reason for that follows the 1998 passage of a state gas tax increase. Uh, So there was a need to uh, better uh, monitor how state funds were being spent on projects and what projects were moving forward each year. Um, And coupled with the reauthorization of the uh, Transportation Equity Act for the 21st century, or T21, Uh, So both of those increased funding for state transportation programs, which uh, logically increased the size of the program. So there became, uh, within that context, uh, a need to better monitor uh, what projects were moving forward uh, over the next five years each year. Do you think that, uh, I I guess, given all the uncertainties, you know, with inflation and long-term transportation funding, challenges, uh, which seems to never really go away in Michigan. And then obviously climate change on top of that. I mean, is it a fine line between, you know, characterizing this as a living, breathing document or something that should carry a warning will self-destruct in five seconds? (laughs) Uh, Well, I would never want to put a document onto the public that would self-destruct in five seconds. So certainly it's a living, breathing document here that is uh, trying to create a snapshot of, like previously mentioned, all those projects uh, that are utilizing state and federal dollars for the trunk line system, um, capturing those by region, um, as well as some of the top priorities of the department as well. So, you know, equity and inclusion, transportation, resiliency, uh, complete streets, um, and as of recent, the Rebuilding Michigan program as well, and how those are impacting uh, the delivery of the program and what projects are moving forward. So we we try to capture the cultural relevancy and, you know, obviously there's some politics in there as well. So, you know, providing a open and transparent picture of what MDOT is doing in the transportation uh, trunk line system over the next five years is the intent. So it's going to change each year. So speaking of that, you know, we've got these project highlight focus areas uh, outlined in the report, equity and inclusion, transportation resilience, and complete streets multimodal. This is the second time the program has included those areas 
Um, talk about how each of those inform the plan and you know what's new in terms of emphasis for the, for this plan. Sure. So so these are areas that are focus area. These are focus areas that have come out of uh, the state long range transportation program or Michigan Mobility 2045. Um, and the intent of those three areas is to provide. Uh, a better connection between department priorities and those strategies and objectives outlined in Michigan Mobility 2045 with current projects that are being constructed. Um, in addition to that, uh, connecting the dots, uh, we're trying to help tell a story here um, in engaging the public um, and helping them to understand how these projects are advancing those priorities, which during Michigan Mobility 2045 um, were provided by the public. So, you know, it's it's kind of a circle in a sense. You know, they gave us uh, what uh, their intended priorities are. They went into Michigan Mobility 2045 um, with the projects. We're asking regions on, um, you know exactly how those projects are advancing these priorities and then we're, then we're reporting that back to the public let's start with the first i guess equity and inclusion um you know talk about why the emphasis there and how uh, you know on the surface somebody might not understand how can you factor that into the program and what you do so can you talk a little bit about that Sure. So equity inclusion is uh, not new, um, but it is new in terms of how to try to measure and report it. Um, so I think uh, most everybody who is in the transportation field is aware of how, particularly with planning for highways, um, some disadvantaged communities have been uh, bifurcated and uh, really selected uh, to have a interstate go through their community in the past based on you know their lack of um, you know political power so to speak um, so you know this area focusing on it is trying to both help understand the impacts of those past decisions how to rectify them and how projects that are moving forward now can be shaped to better intake input from disadvantaged and uh, previously uh, not spoken for communities to ensure that they reflect uh, the needs, uh, the cultural, cultural and physical character of those communities and, and really what their intent in, is for the future. Yeah, so we've learned from from past mistakes, and when I say mistakes, uh, at the time, people were doing things the way that people did things then, and working with the information they had. So, um, you know, this is not to to judge anybody in the past. But, yeah. But what you're saying is that, you know, we've learned and and found ways to be more inclusive and do better. Right, and and to be fair, the Interstate Highway Act of was it 1956 preceded uh, the National Environmental Policy Act of uh, 1968 and 1969. So, you know, a lot of these requirements to 
look at the environmental, the social, and the cultural impacts of projects were not in place at the time that a lot of the planning started for the interstate system. Right. That's that's a very good point and uh, something that we we try to get across often that um, a lot of people seem to know that it was all done as part of a you know Eisenhower National Defense System strategy, but what a lot of people also don't know is that a lot of uh, people at the time thought that was progress, and you know everybody wanted a 20-minute commute, right? So that's what that's the right. interstate system brought us. So talk about that that second one and uh, and transportation resilience and and how we plan for that, knowing that you know what we've already experienced with flooding, especially in the shoreline roads around the state, and you know a lot of Michigan uh, is water. That's the the good and the bad of it. Um, how do we how do we plan for that and and what do you what do you hear back from the regions when you talk about what it's going to take in terms of funding to truly build for resiliency so yeah transportation resilience is uh, an area that mdot is focused on right now um, in a couple of different ways so for one i mean we're all aware of altering climate conditions um, and, and and in that regard we're trying to you know, look at how we can further develop projects to be able to adapt, respond to, and re recover quickly from those hazards. Um, and in, in addition to physical infrastructure, that includes threats to information technology systems and cyber attacks as well. So not just looking at, you know, bridges and roads, but it's, it's also, you know, a holistic look at the security and integrity of the transportation system. So, and the parts that make it work. So a, a big part of this is our transportation operations centers, which monitor the system seven days a week uh, and provide real-time travel information to the public uh, on all kinds of events. So crashes, uh, closures, uh, including those that result from uh, weather events. Right now, it's more of a focus on uh, combining the um, oversight of, of the operation centers and preparation through planning uh, to ensure we're looking at a level of resilience that reduces our vulnerability and increases reliable mo mobility following a shock or stressor to the system. So in terms of additional cost, it's not really, uh, I don't think, a, a consideration right now other than uh, bridges are, are really looking uh, deeply at how to uh, maintain infrastructure in a way that withstands flooding events. And we've seen how that can really impact things with the, the flood in Midland. I believe that was that was last year. And, you know, the uh, Governor Whitmer's administration stepped in with some additional funding for that. So thankfully, right now, there haven't been a whole lot of, of those physical disruptions, I think, to the system where we need to shift funds around. But the main focus is planning uh, for those and how to respond to them at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that includes things. Uh, yeah, that it's hard to believe, but the Midland flooding was actually two years ago. It was in 2020, uh, <laughs> kind of coincided with the beginning of the pandemic. And it's it's hard to believe now that we were dealing with that at the same time back then we had high water levels uh, in the Great Lakes and some issues even with some of the inland lakes and on top of that you've got you know rising uh, waters in the rivers which create faster currents and uh, and 
you know, create extra pressure, what they call scour on the footings. So all those things have to be have to be factored in. And we've got, you know, what we've experienced in Detroit, obviously, with freeway flooding and the money that we're putting into additional generators so that the pumps can always work, even if the power is cut off. Um, it's just it's a lot to to think about. And I think it's it's great that that's one component of emphasis in the program. So talk about complete streets a little bit. Michigan's complete streets policy has been in place more than a decade now. Uh, is there anything new in that focus area? Yeah, you bring up a good point. Complete streets is is not also one of those areas that's not new. Um, what is new is MDOT ensuring that it's taking a more multimodal approach to the development of all projects. Uh, not just those that are are smaller in scale and are looking at, um, you know, a trail here and a sidewalk there. But how do we commit to improving safety, mobility, and accessibility from projects like I-375 and, and I-696, uh, I-94, all the way down to M routes and, and other routes that MDOT maintains as well? And, you know, one of the ways uh, that that's being done uh, most recently, there was a influx of money through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, or IIJA, um, and MDOT dedicated money to uh, the Main Street program, um, which really focuses on downtown areas and ensuring that um, context-sensitive solutions are implemented to really bolster uh, and help economic development in those areas. Um, so to be, be honest, do you feel like that infusion of IAJA funds made your job more difficult or easier? Um, I would say that it probably made it a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it made it easier in a sense that, hey, we can move uh, some projects forward uh, that were shelved previously and that are certainly needed to maintain the system, but also difficult in which ones are the best ones to move forward? Because, you know, it sometimes becomes a game of, of musical chairs a little bit with, you know, we've got a lot of projects that are needed, um, but, you know, no matter how much funding you have, it seems like there there isn't quite enough to do all of them. So you've got to make some hard decisions in terms of what projects are going to have the greatest benefit at the most competitive cost. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, once again, uh, Michael Case, who shepherds the five-year program for MDOT, anybody who's listening and wants to take a look at the five-year program, very good, robust document, uh, lots of photos and graphics that explain things. And uh, it's it's a long URL, but I will just say if you go to michigan.gov slash MDOT, you'll find it. It's, it's prominently displayed, or you could even do a search for MDOT and five-year program. So talk a little bit about what you think uh, you see going forward over the, the next few years beyond, you know, what are you already thinking about, I guess, for your next program? Well, for me personally, I'll start with that. Um, I have a, a passion for public involvement and engagement. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at ways to work with our uh, beloved Office of Communications to help ensure transparency with documents and make sure that we're getting the word out to as broad of a population as possible and not just to those who have um, you know internet access and are interested in transportation but 
those groups that are not currently in the conversation and have limited access to our primary communication channels being social media, uh, email, and our website. So working more with uh, groups and institutions that are connected to communities to make sure that they have information and know about the opportunities for comment and maybe uh, getting the resources to go out and actually uh, present and talk with them at some point as well. So um, we did a lot over the past year with incorporating the ability to uh, translate the document uh, into several different languages, actually more than several, uh, 110 different languages, um, and modifying its presentation so that it works very well with screen readers. So we want to capture as broad of an audience as possible and make sure even the most, or definitely the most sensitive populations have the opportunity to help provide their input. So outside of my personal <laughs> um, look on the future, I think we're, we're going to be um, you know, because we take in a lot of different information from a lot of different areas. Um, and, you know, it's it's a rather dense document. Um, and our presentation of it has has always been good, but it can also always be better. So um, I think looking at how we can uh, combine some information about investments and revenues and give a more detailed look at the relationships between these areas um, and and give a more uh, detailed analysis, uh, particularly to those in the legislature and the public as well, about what all these numbers mean. What does it mean when we say we have, um, you know, $13 billion in revenue uh, but our investments are uh, $15.8 billion. What does it mean when we uh, talk about these investments, but we also show that the condition of our assets are declining? And not only what does it mean, but what can we do about it? Um, and do we need help from any particular area? So I think that's a real opportunity for this document. Um, in communicating what those needs are and really helping to facilitate a, a broad outlook and helping keep everybody on the same page on what needs to be done. Yeah, you talked a little bit about, you know, what you do in those in those rural or even urban, I guess, hard to, to reach areas. And it's not unlike the challenges that modern pollsters or people that do surveying for a living are facing, uh, you know, with uh, people not answering their phones and uh, not uh, being available when you try to reach them. So I, I can only imagine the challenges and, uh, you know, how creative you, you have to be to try to get as, as much input as possible. Yeah, it's not easy. And, you know, I've, I've typically referred as an umbrella uh, to, you know, those areas as are hard to reach groups. So, um you know, they have some commonalities between them, but they also have some distinct differences as well. You know, there's urban areas that are, are lower income that may not have access to Internet. And there's rural areas as well that have have the same issues. But, you know, they tend to uh, look at the types of projects that they need differently for obvious reasons. The, the network is, is different 
where each of those areas are. So it's not easy to both, you know, tailor your message um, appropriately for those areas, uh, as well as use the the right kinds of of outreach to to reach them. So it's certainly something we continue to work on, um, and it'll probably be something that we're always working on to improve. Yeah, no, I I have a lot of uh, appreciation and and respect for uh, everybody that's in, involved in in public involvement and government and trying to to reach people and ensure as much input as possible. So is there anything else you want to say, Michael, that we didn't really touch on that, you know, that you feel like is important for people to know about this year's program? Uh, well, I think I touched on most everything, um, you know, just maybe recap, you know, the 5YTP. Um, you can find it on the MDOT website. Uh, so the most current, recently approved, Five YTPs for fiscal years 2023 to 2027. Uh, we're starting to work on fiscal years 2024 and 2028 already. Uh, so, uh, like with this past year, um, we'll be ready for public engagement and review again uh, come July 2023. So, look for it at that time. And um, if you're not looking for it, then we'll be looking for you. <laughs> well said. Okay. Well, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. It's very helpful. Thank you again for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Michael Case, once again. I'd also like to thank the people who do the hard work behind the scenes to produce the podcast each week. Randy Dubler does an outstanding job with the audio editing. Jackie Salinas does the transcription and Courtney Bates, who helps host the podcast and get it ready for production. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation. 